Blog Talk Radio. Live from Washington, D.C., it's quintessential listening. Poetry Online Radio. QLPOR, as it's widely known, features a bevy of poets, spoken word artists, and live poetry readings with best-selling authors. Your host is Dr. Michael Anthony Ingram. Hello, everyone. Thank you for listening. Tonight, I'm joined by award-winning poet, Natalia Lazarus. Natalia's new book of poetry, published by Central Park South Publishing, is the lyrical and poignant My Love Affair, Thorns and Roses. Hello, Natalia. Welcome to the program. Hello. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. You're more than welcome. Are you ready to begin this poetic journey? Absolutely. It's so exciting. (laughs) All right. Well, let's begin. My first question to you tonight, what is poetry? Poetry to me is the deepest, darkest, purest, truthful expression of how we feel and how we view the world. Wow, it's very nice. Give me a little bit more about the deepest, darkest. Those two words struck me a lot. Tell me more. Well, what I found in my experience of writing poetry is that it goes beyond the superficial levels of any kind of writing, whether it be right. spring writing or a novel. It goes like deep, deep, deep in the core. <laughs> things, All right. All right. things that we may even be embarrassed about sharing. Um, mm. so it's, very, it's very humbling, and it, it goes down to the primal feelings. And darkest because it can be a lot of the feelings and thoughts that we bury, that we don't address. Um, But in poetry, we have the opportunity to do that. Oh, yes, very nice. I like that a lot. Well, let me ask this question. Why is it important? You kind of talked about it. Why is it important that we do what we do as poets? Why Why do we do it? I believe that we do it so that we can continue to express ourselves on different topics that are close to our heart, that have mm. affected us, topics that have meaning to us, topics that we advocate for, uh, topics that we question. And it's, it's through our voice that we connect with other voices. And, and it can be the same topic, but we can have a different point of view on it. So that's why I All think right. it's important. All right, very nice. Thank you again. You know, I'd like to turn for a moment to your book. What inspired my love affair, Thorns and Roses? Tell me everything. <laughs> well, I was in a, I was in a, obviously a love affair. <laughs> All right. I think, but I think what also made the love affair and the creation of the book is that I was also in a highly creative state because I was directing and acting in a play about art uh, in France, and it was in English and in French. So my creative juices were high. And then Mm -hmm. combined with the love affair, um, I always describe it as my character on stage had the words that the playwright had given me to express herself. The poetry Mm -hmm. for me, for the love affair, was my voice expressing how I felt 
during the love affair. Wow. Very nice. I like that. Please share a poem. Okay. Okay. Let's see. Poem is called Bouquets of Flowers. And it was inspired because on there was an evening when I was by myself and I was preparing my own bouquets of flowers and it just had a lot of meaning to me and I had a lot of thoughts and ideas and that's how it was inspired. Bouquets of flowers. I prepared my own bouquets of flowers tonight. Not bought, just random flowers given to me by a friend. I had to cut them, nurture them, give them new life. They weren't for a dinner party, nor for anything in particular, just leftovers, orphans, like me, I suppose, an affirmation that I exist. I prepared my own bouquet of flowers tonight. I didn't have many vases, just a few here and there. The strangest thing happened, imaginary conversations with your wife. Am I going mad? Did I pick this flag? Is this a joke or a dream from which I woke? I prepared my own bouquets of flowers tonight. I took three puffs from a vape as I stared at the 76 sign through our opened drape. The numbers seven and six float ominously in the air. Is it some sort of dare? I prepared my own bouquets of flowers tonight. I am here in our home alone with the crashing waves. You are somewhere up north in a heart that has lost its warmth. I prepared my own bouquets of flowers tonight. Not during my time, I know. In her time, your love flourished no more. Now, at exactly this time, I am in the middle of a family that is not mine. I prepared my own bouquets of flowers tonight. I felt like Cinderella. I could see it, Camelot at last. I'll get to walk off with the king. I know, but it all must be done before the midnight ring. The castle is there. I know. Camelot is within reach. I know. Will the queen mother with her children torment me? Or will they embrace me? I prepared my own bouquets of flowers tonight. Red roses for you and Aaron. Pink tulips for Hannah. Green orchids for June. I love you. I honor you. I consent to your every term. I prepared my own bouquets of flowers tonight. Now, a whole new chapter. You are my father, my brother, my friend, my lover. I prepared my own bouquets of flowers tonight. Now, a whole new chapter. Your wife is my mother, my sister, my companion, my friend. I prepared my own bouquets of flowers tonight. Now a whole new chapter. Your children are my children, the ones I never had. My brother, my sister, my companions, my friends. I prepared my own bouquets of flowers tonight. You are my healing, my path to enlightenment, to love as I have never known it. My fantasy, my reality, Camelot at last. I prepared my own bouquets of flowers tonight. Please hold my hand as you take me through the gates 
lend me your arm with the utmost of charm to help me withstand the unknown strand. I prepared my own bouquet of flowers tonight. I felt scared and odd. Tears fled my eyes as I wait for you yet again. I prepared my own bouquets of flowers tonight. Off to Camelot, you say. What a strange, mysterious, magical place this has all become. I prepared my own bouquets of flowers tonight. And I prayed. The end. Wow. Oh, wow. That was epic. Oh, I love the repetition. I prepared my own bouquet of flowers tonight. Natalia, that's fantastic. Thank you. I want to hear another. I feel like, oh, I don't know. I just feel fantastic. I feel good. This is a journey. Share another piece with me. I want to hear another. Okay, okay. Um, this one is called In Another Time, and it was inspired by this um, metaphorical clock that my lover had placed on our relationship, and that's what inspired it. All right. In Another Time, tick-tock, another clock, two years, tick-tock, bank returns, 24 months, and we'll know. I feel like an investment. Are the terms agreeable? Tick-tock, tick-tock. What is the profit margin? Don't sign on the dotted line just yet. Tick-tock, tick-tock. Diversify, perhaps. One never knows. Fluctuating market. Tick-tock, tick-tock. Six months accrued. Eighteen to go. Will I mature? Tick-tock, tick-tock. Will I be sold, traded, bought by another? Tick-tock, tick-tock. Is there a fine for early withdrawal? Does the investment double if I just stay put? Tick-tock, tick-tock. We'll find out in 24 months. All these darn clocks. Tick-tock, tick-tock. Most investments like these, you say, fizzle out in 24 months. If ours doesn't, will there be yet another clock? Tick-tock. Tick-tock, doesn't it stress you out that there is a ticking clock when the buzzer goes off at 24 months? What will have been measured? Tick-tock, tick-tock, our time together, our bodies entwined, our mounting passion, our dreams in fruition, our love come true. Tick-tock, still counting, can't wait for the ticking talk. To end, talk, talk, talk. When will our clock truly begin? Tick tock, tick tock. The end. Wow. Thank you. Thank you for indulging me. <laughs> you know, your voice is just incredible. All right? And what I want to know, you speak with such conviction, is, is, is the resonance, is, 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 the resonance is fantastic. What is the relationship between your speaking voice and your written voice? You know, that, that's a really good question um, because my training has mainly come as an actress and as a screenwriter. So I feel yes. very clear about that. It's what I've been trained to do. Um, as a poetess, 
I'm discovering my speaking voice in this new mm. genre of expression. As an actress, mm-hmm. you know, we have all kinds of conventions. We pull on, well, where did my character just come from? What do I want in the scene? What is the actable relationship? And it seems to me that with poetry and the spoken word, it doesn't seem like we treat our own words as a character, but rather mm-hmm. they are us. And all those acting conventions may not be relevant, but, but rather a rhythm, a poise, a tempo, and the words themselves are the same. That's, that's kind of what I'm learning and feeling. I don't know if I'm right or if I'm wrong, but that's what I feel. Well, I think we could be twins because I feel the exact same way. I don't think I could express it as well as you did, but <laughs> I feel the exact same way. So when you think about writing a poem, and you may have already answered this, so let's go back. How does a poem begin for you, with an idea, a form, or an image? I would say that it starts really just quite frankly with wanting to say something. It is something that I need or want to say. And how often do we actually get to speak in our purest, rawest way, like really going for the core? And the poem allows us to do that without having to worry about structure, form, or social pleasantries and conventions. So I think for Mm -hmm. me, it starts literally with something that I want to say. All right. All right. I like that. Hey, this is, I like this. You know, so when, (laughs) as you think about your body of work and you think about the book, Thorns and Roses, My Love Affair, what are some of the predominant themes that we're going to, that that readers are going to find in the book? Tell me more about the predominant themes. Well, in terms of, so the book um, is laid out, instead of chapters, they are acts. So it, it has right. this type of theatricality. So it's like you're opening. The table of contents is, in fact, the program. And the chapters are Act 1, Act 2, Act 3. And it gives you the time and place. And it was a way that I could make sense of how to lay out the book. And it speaks to me. In terms of maybe some themes, for me, they are to not lose sight of who you are just because you've let someone into your world. You, you must still trust your instincts. If, if the love affair is causing you angst, then perhaps it's best to get out early. Um, a big one for me was understanding that love abounds, but only allowing the love that you deserve is growth. And for those with a broken heart, you will find love again. It, it, it will arise and manifest again, you just have to have an open heart. Wow. Is a poem letting your guard down or building a wall? Well, for me, I would say it's letting the guard down. And because magnificent discoveries about ourselves, about humanity, about forgiveness, about empathy, uh, can be discovered when we completely let our guard down. And I believe that's what poetry does, at least for me. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's go back in the past for a minute. What was an early experience where you learned that poetic language had power? 
You know, I was very spoiled because my father was a doctor in English and education. Mm-hmm. And very early on, um, he taught me that books were my friends. And he exposed me to the great works of Shakespeare. He exposed me to E.E. E. Cummings. Um, just so, so many things. But I would say that one of the ones, and he would read and recite to me. He was very theatrical also. I would say mm-hmm. that when he recited and read one of Hamlet's monologues, I could, I could see it. I could visualize. And I think that opened my creativity to another level. And part of what led me to be an artist. Um, But I believe that words, um, I also, when I was younger, I thought I would be a trial attorney. But what I loved about the trial attorney was, in fact, the drama and the the, the the speeches that were given, you know, um, Mm -hmm. in the opening statements. And then once I went to the the drama club, I realized, wait, no, I don't really want to be an attorney. But mm-hmm. I really wanted to be able to express um, other people's words. Eventually, they became my own words. Um, mm-hmm. I, I just very early on uh, with my father's theatricality and reading to me and exposing me to the works, I realized the strength and the power. All right. You know, for many, for many, I love that. For many, poetry is about emotion. Do you think someone can be called a poet if they don't feel strong emotions? Oh, uh, I, I mean, my personal opinion would be no, because I think that they, we are coming from feeling strongly and passionate about something, and that is what's pushing the words forward in that kind of momentum, staccato, energy, uh, repetition, like you say, so I believe, I feel like you do. It's fueled by emotion. Yes. All right. Please share a poem. <laughs> okay. Um, let's see. This one is called Dinner Alone, and it was inspired by an evening when I had dinner alone at a sushi restaurant in Malibu. Dinner Alone. I was you tonight. I was you and with you. Dinner alone, out and about. Across from me, a single mom. Two kids, still, alone, I could tell. Next to me, a family of three, mom and dad, definitely apart. He on his cell phone, she looking out. Alone, I could tell. Perhaps that was once you, with your wife and kids. Alone, nonetheless. I was definitely alone. No mystery there. I read my book, sipped my drink, nibbled my food, thought of you. I wondered how many times you had done dinner alone, whether accompanied or not. I wondered why I thought of you on the other side of the country, doing the same, perhaps, being alone. I wondered why I am here now. So are you. We could stop being alone, stop imagining conversations, stop thinking about the future, stop being afraid. Couldn't we just have dinner tonight, tomorrow, and every night after that? The end. Wow. You know, I like to to sit for a second and allow a poem to 
I guess, work its way through my body. And that's what's happening right now. I mean, that was a very powerful piece. You know, they say, Natalia, that to see the world with complete honesty, one should look to comedians, artists, musicians, and poets. What do you think emerges naturally from you when you write? I would say the first thing that emerges for me is whatever my my deepest pains and failures have been, and then it can go to the you know utmost happy moments as well. But mm-hmm. I think it just goes deep down to to the secrets, to those ill feelings that we just kind of learn to live with and and don't always express. So for me, that's that seems to push forward first. All right. Here's a question. Does it hurt you to write poetry? If not, why not? I, th- I think it does because it's a pouring of my soul. So there mm-hmm. are times when, you know, whether it be writing poetry or the words of a, of a character that I feel deeply and tears are flowing and it's just like, ooh, and you keep going. <laughs> So yes, I think it does hurt. <laughs> well, I know it hurts me. <laughs> I know it hurts me all the time. All the time. <laughs> all right, all right. You know, I want to know, Natalia, if you were a poet in a different era, when, where would you have wanted to exist? I would have wanted to exist probably in England. <laughs> I would have liked. Right? Tell me oh, more. Tell me more. <laughs> well, I, have, I speak four languages, but I, I have always been fascinated by the English language and, and by British accents and uh, the countryside and, and castles. So I, I'm, I'm just very drawn to this kind of time period. Um, I'm one of those. Uh, I love classical films. Um, I just, I just love, I love films about the monarchy. I, I, I would have loved to be killed in that time. <laughs> All right, <laughs> me too. <laughs> me too. <laughs> you know, possibly in a British accent and been part of high society. In <laughs> right. I just think that would have been Very nice. <laughs> Very nice. You know, <laughs> you know, the editing process, writing a book can be very daunting. Some poets claim that a poem is like a living creature. Once it's out there, there's not much you can do to correct or improve it. But others edit meticulously, not leaving much from the original draft form. What is your take on the editing process, Natalia? Well, I, I think that's an interesting point because there's, there's the poems you wrote, and then there's the poems that go in the book, and then inevitably, at least for me, I start checking, but I believe the through line and the the original message and structure of the poem doesn't change. The rhythm doesn't change. Right. You might get rid of a stanza because you don't need it, or or in fact you you mistakenly put two poems together and really they are two poems, so you separate them. But I agree. I don't think I don't think it changes a whole lot. You're just doing like a technical edit here and there. That's the experience for me. All right. Well, let's take a brief break, 
and we'll be right back. Lazarus, Natalia, do you think you were meant to be a poet? Well, writing poetry came to me at a time when I was feeling the utmost of angst due mm-hmm. to a love affair. <laughs> and it's I realized <laughs> through, through that journey of writing, I realized that there are several topics and occasions when I have felt this way. And that, in fact, to take the time to explore how those subjects could be translated into poetry uh, would indeed make me a poet. Um, My expression has always been, as I mentioned, through acting, screenwriting, directing. But with Mm -hmm. poetry, I I now have yet one more outlet. So I do believe that I was destined to be a poetess. (laughs) Um, All right, all right. Because I have manifested that, and that is what I am doing, so it would be silly to not continue. (laughs) All right. What surprises you most about being a poetess? What surprises you? I guess what surprises me is that I feel that it's like speaking in tongues. It's like a language. The language is taking over me. There is like this other power that's moving these words forward because for me they are devoid of training structure I have never studied mm-hmm. to do this so I was right. like what is going on what, what's coming up what, what am I typing <laughs> so <laughs> that's what surprised me the most uh, was the ability to just pour it out without a lot mm-hmm. of thought to structure and length and all of that other stuff that we are supposed to do. All right. Please share a poem. Okay. Um, This one is called Now That You Found Me. And it was inspired by the irony of, of two people having found each other and feeling like they're meant for each other, but yet not being able to be with each other. Now that you found me, now that you found me, will you keep me? The universe whisked me to you. You accepted. You made room for me. You seduced me. Then you asked me to stay. You've been looking for me. I accepted. You felt through. I was so relieved. Then you asked me to stay. Now that you found me, will you keep me? Beyond lust unexplainable, new, pure, 
special. You are addicting, intense, perfect, as if you were made just for me. I too had been searching for the warmth you provide, your comforting arms, your desirous want, as if you were made just for me. Now that you found me, I search for you, long for you, desire you, need you specifically, unequivocally. Now that you found me, will it always be like this? Always parting, always craving each other like famished children, desperately, regretfully? Now that you found me, will the heartache of not truly having you stop? Will the longing stop? Will the imaginary conversation stop? Now that you found me, will I stop wondering what you are doing? If you miss me, if you love me, will I stop? Now that you found me, will you stop being scared, resigned, torn? Will you stop? Now that you found me, we aspire for next time. Will it always be like this? Or will next time become forever time? Now that you found me, will you just take me, love me, and never look back? Now that you found me, will you walk through the door? Will you make me your bride? Will you finally be mine? Will I finally be yours? Now that you found me, I heard you, though it took worlds. I found you, though it took years. I finally have you, though it took many tears. Now that you found me, I love you like I have loved no other. Let's create a new home for our souls, for us, now that you found me. The end. Hmm. Wow. You know, that was another piece where repetition of phrases and words were important. Why, why is it important to you that repetition is included in your work? There's at least two poems now. Tell me why. So repetition for me provides like a, like a grounding point, um, a place to return to, um, perhaps even one of the core meanings or messages. So it's, it's, it's like the grounding line. It's, it's that uh, inner monologue that keeps going. Now that you found mm-hmm. me, will you keep me? And then there's all these other thoughts, but we go back to now that you found me. <laughs> I like the repetition. It, I feel, like I said, it keeps me grounded and reminds me of, of where I'm going and what it's about. Right. You know, I was reading this past weekend about the art of spoken word poetry, and one of the features of spoken word poetry is primarily repetition because it helps to get the point across, and it's a strong way to, to illuminate what you're feeling, what you're thinking, because you want people to know. I want people to know. What I like about your work is that it's accessible. I understand it. And what I want to know from you, should one have to work hard to solve a poem? I think that just depends on the preference of each person. You know, if, mm-hmm. if, if they want to just immediately feel connected and attached to it, or if there's, you know, that uh, intellectual pursuit of, uh, analysis and uh, and trying to figure out. 
I think that it's just a style and it depends what, if, what each person likes. All right. You know, with your book, My Love Affair, Thorns and Roses, how did you know that the project was finished? Um, you know, the poems originally were, were not meant for a book. They were just, it was just how I was feeling. And, and like I said, I was speaking in tongues and, and then I just gathered I like them. <laughs> I <laughs> gathered them all, put them in a drawer. And then, um, I started to write a screenplay about the experience. Um, and so I thought, oh, wait, I can use snippets of the poetry to be the lead character's voiceover. So I found the poems and just started to pull, you know, a sentence here, a sentence there to kind of be a through line in the voiceover. And then once they were, once the snippets were in there, um, my fiance read it because he's a writer and he said, what are these snippets of poems? And I said, well, there's poems I wrote. <laughs> and uh, he said, mm-hmm. okay. And I, I hesitated because they had been poems written for another man. And I thought, well, okay, no secrets. And I, I gave him the poems. And then he, mm-hmm. he said, you know, these are, they tell a story. They, they made me very sad. Um, and, and they should be a book. And that's how the journey of the book started. So the poems oh, wow. were, in fact, uh, as we discussed earlier, they don't change much. But we knew mm-hmm. the book was finished when 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 we could have the proper layout that was understandable and creative mm-hmm. and, and, and that would have um, it, that it, I always wanted it to be like a coffee table book. So because right. this, yeah, because this was done uh, during the time that I was working on the play about Picasso um, and, and many times in that moment, I felt like some of the many uh, muses that Picasso had had, and so mm-hmm. we incorporated the the book has twelve beautiful Picassos in it that mark the beginning oh, wow. of each that mark the beginning of each act and uh, six others that go well with with the many um, poems like bouquet of flowers. Uh, there is uh, a painting by Picasso called bouquet of flowers. It's in Spanish. It's el ramo de flores. So we're able to put that in. And then in, in the one I read, uh, Dinner Alone, he has uh, the absinthe drinker, who is a woman in a Paris cafe dining alone. So it, it, to me, it was important that the book be beautiful, that it could be a coffee table book that you could browse through, um, mm-hmm. you could see some artwork, read some poetry. And if you were so inclined to read it from beginning to end, it's in fact a story. It goes sequential from beginning to end. Wow. So that's how we really you were know, done. All, all right. All right. I like this. <laughs> so you'd finished writing it. There were no more words you needed to share. No, I think at that point, you know, the publisher and, and other people editing, the publicist, they come into play to start, you know, giving you certain guidelines and ideas. Like I have a poem called Epilogue, um, mm-hmm. and I, I hadn't put it as an epilogue in the book. It was just like in a random place. And then I remember someone said, well, epilogue should be at the end of the book as an epilogue. I said, oh, yeah, what a concept. Let's do that. (laughs) (laughs) Would you share it tonight, epilogue? I'd love to hear it. Would you like to? Okay. I I 
yes. so much for that one, but I, I, I could certainly do that one. And, you know, because we put an epilogue, then it was like, okay, well, now I need to create a prologue. So, yes, there, there was an <laughs> there, <All right>. are, <laughs> there are additions that happen. Um, okay, so epilogue was inspired because uh, at some point my lover said he needed to do this one last trip uh, with his ex. And I said, well, what does that mean? I thought it was over. And he said, I guess you could call it an epilogue. Um, epilogue. You were summoned into her arms. You accepted and called it an epilogue. You said it was over. You said you were mine. Yet you've gone to her and called it an epilogue. Epilogue. A concluding part. Definition English Dictionary. So what is the concluding part? You said there was no turning back, yet she summoned you and you went right back. You obeyed like a robot in a spell. I demanded, pray tell. I don't know, you said. Perhaps it's an epilogue. Epilogue, a speech added to the end of a play, often giving a short statement about what happens to the characters after the play finishes, definition, Cambridge Dictionary. What happens in the end? At the end of the end, the man I love runs to another woman and calls it an epilogue. Going to New York means a lot to her, you said. Didn't you see? Not going meant a lot to me. Epilogue, a final section serving as a conclusion to what happened. Definition, Merriam-Webster. So what is the final section? She loved him. Only as a free man could she take him back. He remained enchained. She moved on, learned to love again. That is my epilogue. The end. Oh, wow. Epilogue. You know, all poets have several words that they use over and over and over again in their work. They just can't help but use these words. What are three of your absolutely favorite words to use? Three words. In general or in this book? Yes. In, well, let's say in the book. Let's say in the book. That's a nice one. That's a nice little twist in the book. Um, I think the three that stand out for me are you, me, her. Mm. Tell me more. <laughs> well, there's a poem called Trio that I wrote, mm -hmm. and that um, that encompasses the 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 kind of relationship that I was in. It was like a triangulation, and I kept trying to get rid of this triangle and you know get rid of three and make it two. So it was always like you, me, her, her, you, me. <laughs> mm -hmm. So wow. for me, those three words were uh, were important in the book, or they were oh. repetitions in the book. All right, very nice. You know, I've been thinking a lot about what does poetry do for the soul. And I've learned that it can guide you to a purpose. It can promote self-worth and self-love. It can give you pleasure and happiness. It can help you express yourself. It connect you to others. And it can open the big picture. And we're going to focus now on the big picture. What do you view as being the role of a poet 
in modern-day society, so much is happening in the world. What is our role? Our role, I believe, is to bring to the forefront issues that we can that we can get behind, that we can truly get behind and and speak our point of view um, mm-hmm. in the hope that that is embraced, understood, felt, acknowledged, and and will move others to action or to compassion or to not feeling so alone. Um, Yes. I had a teacher once that told me, you know, as an actress, your words, meaning when when we take the playwright's words or anybody's words, as a poet, it's our own words, your words Mm -hmm. must be sent out to the universe, to the audience, and they must be seen, felt, heard, understood, and taken into their hearts. So I think that's our, that's our role. Wow. Send those out there. Well, you know what I'm going to ask you to do? Please share a poem. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've, I've got a trio. All right. I'm holding your trio. <laughs> That's what I was thinking about. <laughs> Let's see. Trio. We are three. We are one. To be with you, one must accept three. One must accept us. You, me, her. Her, you, me. Me, her, you. It cannot be escaped, denied, forgotten. You go to her, you come to me. You, me, her. A vicious circle, three, ever present. The phone calls, the trips, her. Burn her. Patience. Breathe. Three, a splinter tearing through my skin. Three, a knife piercing through my heart. How can I get rid of three? Only you can. How can I get rid of three? How can I make three equal two? The thought persists. The question persists. The dream persists. One day it will be two, you and me. No thoughts, no questions, no regrets, just two. The dream comes true. The end. Mm. Trio, wow. When you write, and maybe this book in particular, are you having a conversation when you write? And if so, with whom? I believe, yes, many times I'm having a conversation. Um, mm-hmm. Mainly uh, one conversation is with the lover and mm-hmm. one conversation is with myself. Mm. Mm. So I think the, yeah, there is a a conversation. <laughs> All right. All right. So has a poem that you've written in this particular book, ever frightened or humbled you? And I think we, you have mentioned this earlier, whether a poem has ever frightened or humbled you. Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Tell me more. <laughs> I think, I, I, well, the, the book is being translated into Spanish and French. And um, 
Wow. My Very nice. Yeah. One of my colleagues uh, who's working on the uh, Spanish translation, she said, oh, Natalia, I was reading the poems and I kept thinking, oh, no, 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 Natalia, don't, don't, don't go there. Don't go there. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> and wow. I, I, oh. I thought her, her comments were very telling because that's how I felt. I thought, oh, my God, I'm, I'm putting it all out there. This is so embarrassing, uh, humiliating, mm-hmm. scary. And then I just thought, well, whatever. You got to put your money where your mouth is. So, all right, all right, all right. You're either right. going to do it or you're not. You're going to be truthful or not. So there's no middle ground. So I would say this, this whole book is about uh, admitting failure, uh, naiveness, um, broken heart, uh, how devastating it was. And then building back up to, to, to walk through it. You know, you can't get through mm-hmm. it until you go through it. So I would say a mm-hmm. lot of them have scared me and humbled me. Yes, um, I understand. Yeah. Wow. Mm. So if we, as we think about your book, knowing the subject matter, what advice would you give to the reader? Meaning as they are reading it or... As they are reading, yes. Yes. As they're working their way through this book, what advice would you give them? Maybe before they start reading it, what would you share? Um, to, just, to just treat it like any other book that they're reading and to just go on okay. the journey. Go on the journey? Go on the journey. And... Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, what I've heard from other people reading it is that they say they, you know, they feel connected. They root, they root for the, for the underdog, <laughs> which mm-hmm. is All right. my voice. And, and mm. they know, they have a feeling like, oh, no, no, no. But it's like they can't put it down. It's like a car crash. Like, oh, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, again, as I said, when I first heard you start reading, I just wanted more, more, more. So I can understand. <laughs> I'm saying, <laughs> Please share a poem. <laughs> okay. Uh, let's see. This one is called Broken Promises. And this was inspired by a phone call that um, I made to my lover one night. Mm -hmm. Broken promises. You said I could call any time for you and her were over. When I did, you said, God forbid, we'll have to do this another time. No good night graciousness, no plea asking for my patience. Why have you taken me for granted? Is your attention elsewhere planted? I feel hurt and humiliated. The obedient princess burnt and annihilated. I should have morphed into a queen ordered no. I forbid it. To her, you are not to go. The end. Oh, wow. On that note, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. No, I forbid it. (laughs) (laughs) 
Who's gonna wrap up soon? <laughs> Who's gonna wrap up soon? <laughs> All right. Go back. I am here. <laughs> oh, with Natalia Lazarus. Natalia. Yes. Poets hail from all over the world. Where do you hail from? I was born and raised in Honduras, and I now live in Los Angeles. Hmm. How did you, grow, did you grow up in Honduras? I was in Honduras until I was 17. Um, my father mm-hmm. was stationed in Paris at the United Nations. So oh, wow. from 12 to 17, um, lived with him there and then went to the Sorbonne in France. That's where I learned French. And oh, then, I went, then I went to New York City. And that's where I studied uh, acting and filmmaking. And then uh, ventured out into Los Angeles, where I came out originally to be on a soap opera called Port Charles. I remember Port Charles. <laughs> yes, the younger version of the General Hospital. Yes, I remember Port Charles with Ken Schreiner. I'm not sure whether he was going to be a uh, character uh, character on there or not, but I remember him. All right. <laughs> We're on the verge of ending our journey together. We're on the verge of ending. (laughs) You know, if you had (laughs) to convince a friend or colleague to purchase your book, what would you say? I would say this is a unique book filled with artwork and poetry, Mm -hmm. and it's it's a story from beginning to end. Um, It's short. It's sweet, it's heartbreaking, and I, I think it just makes a great gift and, and a wonderful read. All right. Share with me some of the titles in the book of the poems. Just a few of them. Yeah, so there's uh, Summer in Antibes, Camelot, Thought We Had Something, Without You, Curtain Call, uh, Crazy Love, Happy Holidays, The Dream, Love and Affection, My Dreams Up in Smoke, Away From wow. You. Mm-hmm. All right. <laughs> what role should a title play in a poem? Because those are quite interesting. Yes. So I think, I think the title for me is, 
So there's the repetition that we talked about before, and sometimes the repetition Mm -hmm. is the title. Um, All right, all right. And the title... The title to me is what the poem is about. Mm-hmm. That's the the main uh, the main theme, the main idea, and in my case, sometimes the repetition. All right, you know this book is your second book, I believe. Where does this book fit into your career as a writer? Well, I I believe um, this book served multiple purposes. It, it's an introduction to, to who I am, and it's an introduction to the screenplay that is the companion piece that goes with this book. And mm-hmm. I think in this day and age when um, there don't seem to be, I mean, there's plenty, of course, but there don't doesn't seem like poetry, poets, poetesses are at the top of the list. I think it's a very mm-hmm. um, sexy, uh, seductive. Um, I think that when someone does a book of poetry, it's it's quite different and quite unique to what we're used to in everyday life. Yes. I think it's, mm-hmm. it's bringing, bringing an art form uh, that some consider dead, even though we know it's not. It brings it to mm-hmm. the forefront each time one of us, you know, puts forth another book. Beautifully stated. You know, what I've been, as I'm listening to you, the word that keeps coming to mind for me is empathy. And I've always believed that if you can't understand another person's story in totality, focus on the feelings that go along with that story. And there's so many feelings in your work in terms of what you share. It's deep. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Dark, uh, fun, uh, yes. All right. <laughs> we have time for one more poem to close out the hour. Please share a poem. Then I will read what I think is appropriate for an end, uh, Curtain Call. Mm. And as I've said before, I'm uh, my roots are in the theater, Mm-hmm. So at the end of a play, when we take our bow, we take our curtain call. And the inspiration for this poem is when I realize it's the finale and I'm going to take my final bow. <clears throat> my curtain call. For the obstacles that torment us, I take my final curtain call. Together we created us. Nonetheless, I take my final curtain call in the deepest of humility for not being all that you had imagined, in the deepest of sadness for having lost you, in the deepest of gratitude for having found you, in the deepest of passion for I have loved you. A moment with you in my heart, now the time has come to part. I bow my head to you at last, though thrust into the unknown, I find myself again. Thus I take my final curtain call, for above all, our moment has passed. Mm. (laughs) You know, I said deep. I mean it. (laughs) Our final moment has passed. I like that. (laughs) Where can listeners find your work, Natalia? So my website is LazarusOnStage.com. 
and that will uh, inform of all the other different projects that I'm doing. The book can be found on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, um, Books a Million, Walmart, My Love Affair, Thorns and Roses. All right, all right. How can listeners, maybe you just answer this, stay in touch with you? Your website? Uh, My website, uh, you can send an email directly through my website, LazarusOnStage.com. That's my last name, Lazarus, L-A-Z-A-R-U-S. Like the Bible, Lazarus rose from the dead and so have I. All right. Oh, wow. Okay. (laughs) What is is next for you, Natalia? Where do you go from here? What's next on your list? Oh, well, currently um, we just opened our new campus uh, because for many years I've been the director of the L.A. Performing Arts Conservatory, which is a school uh, for actors, writers, and directors. And we actually have our open house this Saturday. We're also creating a sound stage, thus the uh, inspiration, Lazarus on stage. And I'm working on a television series uh, that I'm doing some rewrites on and turning in. And like I said, we have the screenplay called A Year in Picasso, which is the screenplay version of My Love Affair, Thorns and Roses. How do you top that? How do you top that? That's wonderful. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> I want to thank you, Natalia, for taking time out of your I'm sure, busy schedule to share with us from your book, My Love Affair, Thorns and Roses. Thank it's you life. very much. Thank you very much for having me. Um, it, it, it's always inspiring to be with someone like you who, who advocates this art form and, and and I'm able to learn and grow from it as well. So thank you for the opportunity. Well, I really appreciate that coming from you. It's, uh, I really like Thank you. Thank you so much. You're making an old man smile. All right. <laughs> <laughs> to our listening audience, I want to thank you for tuning in. Go out and purchase this book. Purchase this book. Support Natalia. Support poetry. And as I share with you every week, let poetry ring somewhere throughout the land. Good night, everybody. Have a great one. All right. Thank you again, Natalia. Thank you. Thank you so much. (laughs) All right. Yes. (laughs) Until next time. Until next. Yes. I'd like to invite you to come back. I'd like to invite you to come back. That's, That's a promise. All right? Okay. Wonderful. All right. Would love to be back, Charlie. Live from Washington, <laughs> D.C., it's Quinton. All right.